November. We're here. And it's almost the end of November. I feel like you and I haven't recorded together in like a hot minute. We haven't. There are a lot of firsts this month. We're first on location recording oh, that you did at the National Student Education yes. Conference in Chicago. That went really well, I would just like to say. Yeah. And uh, a lot of first, um, you know, being our seventh edition. Yeah, this is our first seventh episode. And of it's this also, podcast. you know, our first November edition. Yes. Um, but it's, you know, first time, you know, we've done a lot of recording separately. So it makes it a little different. Yes. Which we're excited about. Busy schedules. Busy schedules. I mean, I, like I said, I can't believe that the end of November is already here, but Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And Melissa and I wanted to say just a general note of thanks to not only all of our guests that have joined us um, on the podcast in the past six or seven months, but also to all of our listeners. And, um, you know, we really appreciate that this podcast has been successful. Um, it's still small, but it's something that we've gotten a lot of positive feedback on, and we're really proud of that, but we're also grateful that this is something that our members seem to want and seem to be interested in, and we're really looking forward to what the next few months can bring. Absolutely. We're very thankful, given yeah. that it's November and <laughs> the, the month of Thanksgiving, so um, we're really thankful, and we've had a couple exciting things um, that we want to note before we dive into this month's edition and talking about um, the next generation of leaders in our industry, our students. Um, but first, to, to thank everybody who has already completed and been part of the 2018 competency study, we are in the process right now of updating all of our competencies, which in turn will update the curriculum for our business management institutes, the CCM exam, and really textbook. our textbook, contemporary club management, all of our professional development offerings. And it is a 90-minute survey, but... The great thing is you complete can complete it in segments. If you use the same device, you can basically just go right on back to it. And um, so we really need help with everybody's helping us shape the future of the CCM and make sure that it remains relevant and sustainable uh, for our industry. So all the participants will receive two association activity credits and be entered into a drawing um, for an education-only conference registration. We'll talk about conference in just a minute. <laughs> um, if you haven't participated in yet, the deadline has been extended to the end of November. So um, head to CMA's homepage and find the link there. We would read it out to you, but it's a lot of le extra Slashes letters and, and stuff like stuff. that, and it's it's not a, it's not a pretty <laughs> link. So um, thank you so much. And since our last podcast, uh, CMA World Conference and Hotel Registration has opened. Yes. So we know that our members give their staff, their members, and their club their all every day. And But as the saying goes, you can't pour from an empty cup. So this is your opportunity to join your industry colleagues February 24th through the 28th, 2019 in Nashville, Tennessee. And we're really excited to go to Nashville. It's a great city. So much fun. Um, so there'll be professional development, peer networking, plus just a little bit of fun along the way. So this is an opportunity for you to replenish your reserves and keep giving them everything you've got and then some. So um, if you haven't checked out cma.org backslash conference, um, you can see the current schedule. And the good news is for members, our early bird rates are in effect until November 30th. So take advantage of that opportunity. You can also book your hotel accommodations um, 
just a note that all the business and education sessions, as well as the expo, the Cloud Business Expo, will be at the Music City Center. So we have three hotel properties adjacent to that um, to select from. So visit that. You can get all that done through Conference Direct directly through our website. Yes, and we're very excited, as we said, for World Conference. Um, we have a lot of exciting new things that are happening at World Conference this year um, and some old favorites that will be back. But um, please keep keep an eye on all of our communications, whether that's via email or social media, we're trickling out uh, things that you should be interested in at World Conference over the next few weeks and months as we get in the swing of things. Um, But you don't want to miss anything important, so make sure you keep an eye on that. And if you're not getting communications from us for some reason, just let Melissa or I know and we can tell you how you can get (laughs) hooked back up with our stuff. Um, But anyways... Moving into the subject of this month's podcast, I had the privilege of going to Chicago earlier this month to run and attend the National Student Education Conference, and I was so grateful to everyone, every uh, club that we visited, every speaker that joined us, Um, but especially I was excited to sit down and chat with Judy Higgins, who is the GM at Valley Low Club in um, Glenview, Illinois, and she not only hosted us on the last day of the conference, she also agreed to sit down and be interviewed for the podcast, but it was because of Judy reaching out to me, oh gosh, more than a year ago, I feel like, um, to ask if student conference could come back to Chicago. And Judy will explain a little bit more about this in the interview, but it was really exciting for us to sit down and talk because Chicago is actually the birthplace of the National Student Education Conference. In fact, it's the birthplace of a lot of things related to CMAA. Yeah, not only is it 1927 (laughs) Hotel Sherman. Yes, (laughs) the the beginning of the association as well as the first World Conference were also held in Chicago. Uh, So it is sort of the cradle of all things club management um, for us. So. Judy reached out and was excited to have the chapter help us host this event again. And as I said, I'm very grateful to her for not only having us at her club and sitting down with me, but really getting the ball rolling on us, going back to that great city. And we had a wonderful time. Chicago was obviously incredible. Uh, We had good food and we saw some beautiful clubs. And I think the students really learned a lot in the three and a half days that we took over the city. (laughs) So um, without further ado, here is my interview with Judy. So I'm so excited that we're here in Chicago with um, the chapter and we're getting to visit all these clubs. So can you tell me a little bit about one, why you all wanted to host student conference again and you know, how it got its start? Absolutely. So we, uh, I was fortunate enough to be a speaker at one of the, uh, the very the first, very first one. National Student Education Conference <laughs> in 2004, which was created by um, a number of club uh, Chicago managers. They were brainstorming one evening and wanted to really bring students into the club world yeah. and in one location, mm-hmm. and they said, you know, Let's have a conference. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Because, sure. you know, Chicago hosted the first World, nat- conference. World yeah. conference. They hosted the first assistant managers conference. It's kind of like the cradle of life for CMAA <laughs> in a way. Absolutely. Like, we all converge in the middle of the country, which is really cool. Absolutely. So, and then I think they had um, 2004, 5, 6, 7, and then it started traveling mm-hmm. to other chapters. And then it came back in uh, 2011. Yeah. 
and then now we're here. And it's you oversee it. The national yeah. office does. So That's, that is such a testament <laughs> to look at what you've created. That we started this. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really it's an honor. It's and I think it's amazing. And um, so I've like I said, I've been doing student programs for about three years now, and I've been. This is my third student conference. It's the second one that we've planned at um, at national. And every year that I've gone has been somewhat of an evolution. I mean, we're constantly trying to make it um, just a better experience and a better and better experience for the students and making sure our education is on point and that we're really exploring all the nooks and crannies of club management, but at the same time, touching on subjects like leadership and emotional intelligence and interpersonal relationships and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think it's great that we're back in the birthplace of that. I think it's really cool that we've come back to such a cool city. And um, there's such a wide variety of clubs in this area that are so diverse, right. as we were talking about before. I mean, we, we saw some city clubs, and just in the two city clubs we were in, they're polar opposites Absolutely. in terms of the look and feel and even membership base. Um, and then yesterday out at Medina, that's very different from what you guys do here at Valley Low. So yes. I think that variety is so important for students to see because I think the one thing that we can't hit home enough with them is that no club is no two clubs are the same. Exactly. And your experience in one is not necessarily going to dictate your experience in another. And every day is an adventure. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so fantastic. That's every like, day is an adventure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So um, you said you presented that the first. I did. What did you talk about? I spoke about uh, large events, okay. so grand scale events. I mm-hmm. spoke, uh, I was the uh, uh, clubhouse manager at Winstone Golf Club back okay. then, and uh, we had a four-day member guest event. Oh my four gosh. days. That's insane. It was hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and it, uh, we had name entertainment. It was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We had outdoor tents. We had to rent air conditioning. One year it was so cold we had to turn the heat on in oh the tents. Gosh. But So I spoke to the students about mm-hmm. putting on a large-scale event. And what the realities of that are like. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure. What was their... Do you remember any of their questions or feedback on that? They... Some of the students were asking about the financial side, yeah, which sure. was interesting to me because that sometimes is not an area of focus mm-hmm. when they're young and starting out is the financial side. That's awesome. Actually, Alicia spoke to us yesterday about um, a little bit about event planning similarly, and she talked we she talked the students through an exercise uh, where she had them come up with a hypothetical event and she asked them to come up with, you know, like, okay, who's the target audience? What's the price point going to be? Right. What, what's, what is the event? What are you going to have the attendees do? And, um, what's the dress code? All, you know, all these things. And it was really interesting. One, hearing the creativity of things that these students have come up with, but then two, listening to Alicia, then take that event and go, okay, here's a reality check on what that would actually <laughs> look like. And, uh, the financial side was, definitely they uh their ballparks were okay but then the reality set in and it's like oh okay well you want to do this family camp out on the on the you know driving range well that's cool but then are you going to have staff stay overnight to to run the event okay well then your labor costs are going to be like jacked way up and then who's going to coordinate this and that And you're going to have to work with multiple departments across the club and so it was that was a really cool event and I think that those types of um, sessions where you know you give them 
creativity with a dose of reality mm-hmm. is like super valuable. Yes. <laughs> um, so in that first conference or the first few that the chapter hosted was the focus on the education. Was there a strategy involved in terms of choosing what kinds of sessions were presented um, and like maybe having an overall theme for each year or was it, you know, like everybody kind of came up with an idea of what they wanted to talk about and then that's what happened. So they, um, the first conference was just more well-rounded. There Mm -hmm. was not a theme. Uh, I know recently some of our local three-day sessions are themed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, invest, invent, Mm -hmm. and, you know, move forward with that. But when it first started out, it was just trying to get a good round of speakers. Yeah, You know, talk about golf, talk talk about events, talk about food and beverage, you know, and just look at it in that, that whole uh, part of uh, what a club is. Yeah, definitely. And try to bring that to the students and let them know that there's this whole world out there and it's not just the club management, but it's the catering director, it's the marketing, it's, you know, the financial side of it. Totally. It's food and beverage, it's cooks, it's grounds. It's so multifaceted. It really is. It's a, you know, we, Very multifunctional yeah, business definitely. Uh, under one umbrella. And so We actually kind of went that route last year with our education. We wanted to um, – I feel like sometimes we can get caught when we're doing creating education for things like this. We can ca- get caught in the, okay, well, this is how you get into club management. And, like, there's no conversation about, okay, well, you don't necessarily have to just be a GM. Right. You're at a – club which is a small business essentially when you think about it and a club has to have like you said you have financials you have right. membership you have marketing you have right. communications you have you know then you have all your sports and recreation you have hr you have this there are so many like avenues avenues, avenues into, and so last into the year, top spot yeah for sure so last year when we planned a lot of the education we really wanted to embrace that idea and say like you know your career path in this industry isn't necessarily a ladder. It's a jungle gym. Mm-hmm. You can move in so many different directions. If you find, like, you think you, you're going to come in with one interest, and, you know, we have so many students who want to be event planners, that's great. There's there's a space for that in, in clubs. <laughs> yes. But then you come in and you maybe you get hired as an events manager or, you know, whatever it may be, but then you realize, oh, man, I really love working with the membership. I really love talking to people. Maybe I want to move into membership right. development. What does that look like? You can do that in this space, and that's that's so cool, right? Um, and so, a lot of what we did last year was along that line of like talking about there are so many different types of clubs, and then within all of these different types, there are so many opportunities for you. That's correct. And I think that's so important to hit home for these kids because I feel like sometimes you get a little bit of tunnel vision when yeah. you're in school and trying to decide what you want to do with the rest of your life. It's hard. I've uh, spoken with a number of Michigan State students mm-hmm. as, you know, since I'm an alum. And, um, you know, a lot of it's just food and beverage or events planning. And I'm like, listen, I think you should look at marketing and membership marketing. Yes. There's such a need for um, communications in yeah, clubs. for sure. And, you know, just don't 
pigeonhole yourself into that that one department, food mm-hmm. and beverage or events management. You know, look at the big picture because your path to a GM should include some other. Yeah, definitely. Has to include other departments besides, right. you know, one, right? So right. the more, more uh, knowledge you have in facilities management and HR and marketing and membership and food and beverage and event planning, it's the better, more well-rounded yeah, you're you going to be. so much more perspective. Precisely. And I think, yeah. I mean, I think that's something that can be applied anywhere in in life and not just this industry specifically. Right. But when you come, if, you're, if your goal is to, you know, achieve the highest position possible, whether it's a CEO of a company or the GM of a club, what have you, when you come from a diverse background where you have experience working with either different demographics, different populations, different workflow processes, whatever Absolutely. it might be, you are, I think, more well-prepared for a job that essentially encompasses all of those That's things correct. every day. Absolutely. Right? Because as a GM, <laughs> you kind of, you're not an expert in all areas, right. but you touch all areas. That's exactly right. So you have and this to. is my fourth club. So what I've learned at the other three clubs, you know, I was able to bring here. Mm-hmm. And yet this club is so unique from the other three um, you know, you just keep using um, your past experiences to be better and manage your people and lead your club into, you know, whatever the current trend is, because trends change. change all the time. <laughs> I mean, this is my, I think, the start of my 29th or 30th year in club management. So it, it, what it was back in the late 80s, early 90s, was all golf-focused, yeah. golf, golf, golf. And, you know, you learn... Uh, throughout the last 20 years, even like I would say, even in the 90s, I think clubs were just denying the fact that they had to open up to and be more family friendly, yeah. family focused, sure. kind of get rid of the, the you know, the, the spouse or the men's and the women's and, mm-hmm. and the, the restrictions for the children and all that and just have the pool and the tennis for the moms and the kids and, you know, so... We've come a long way, yeah. and, and so many clubs are so successful because they have embraced, embraced the trend yeah, and, sure. and see it because the data doesn't lie. No, that's what we were members talking are, about before. Members are joining clubs that are not just about golf. Right. It's not, it's not just the stereotype, Absolutely. I think. It's so much more than that. And I think like a club like Valley Low is a perfect example of that. I mean, mm-hmm. as we were talking about before, it's so family oriented and you have all of these different activities available um, on site and you create a space for people to come together and spend time with their family, spend time with their friends. The mm-hmm. kids get to, you know, get outside and do some cool things and right. the parents can come and get away from their children for whatever, yes. <laughs> you know, whatever they might need. But I think that that's, that's, you know, so, so valuable. But what you were saying about bringing your experience from your previous positions here is um, an invaluable piece of information and advice, I think, for any student, and I mean any person in general, is that you're constantly learning, right? You're right. constantly learning from right. each of your life experiences and you're silly not to let that inform you or educate you as you move forward in life. And I believe, too, that, you know, CMAA has given me the opportunity to continue learning Mm -hmm. from the experts in fields, right? So from, I think I became a member in 2000 or prior to then, and I was just 
every year, conferences or local education, mm-hmm. if we couldn't get to the national conference. And, you know, now you have all the webinars yeah. online. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so much opportunity to learn the um, aspects of the club that maybe you're not as comfortable with, totally. that you didn't experience, yeah. but that uh, CMA has really just exploded with. With content, for with, sure. And opportunities. I mean, that's something we talked about with the students on um, on Friday was I took them through a session on what their member benefits are as student members. But then, you know, when you transition into a position at a club and how you can stay connected to the association and then what your path toward certification is and why that's valuable. And, you know, I think you just hit on it. We, we try to provide you with education on a, a multidimensional right. Right. Um, aspect of this job I mean as we said you know you touch everything as a GM Absolutely. you're the the buck stops with you <laughs> or your board that right? is true you're the one held accountable <laughs> for everything so yes. you have to have um an acumen for each of those areas and maybe you're not an expert in all of them but you know you need to have an educated background but I think that that's great okay my last question um, <laughs> What is the one thing that you would like to see our students take away from this weekend at Student Conference? I think takeaway would be that this industry, the club industry, is um, there's so much opportunity. Mm-hmm. I hope they see that. There's so many different clubs available to them between the city clubs, the yacht clubs, the country clubs, those focusing on golf, those not focusing on mm-hmm. golf. Um, explore that as a future. Mm-hmm. Um, that the support and education available to them mm-hmm. with the peers, mentors, um, it's not like any other industry. No, not at all. I have sons <laughs> in their twenties, and you know, I wish they continue could continue their education because. You need that side of it. Yes. You need the experience, but you also need the education Absolutely. to to kind of open up your eyes and see what else is out there. So I believe what I would like for them to take away <laughs> from this weekend is that the club industry is a great industry. Yeah. Whether you decide to go in the food and beverage realm or, you know, grounds sure. or whatever. Whatever. It's there. There's something for Human everybody. resources yeah. even. There's uh, something for everybody There here. really is. There's a fit for everybody. It's it's just, it's been an amazing journey for me mm-hmm. in my career, um, and I would not trade it for anything. That's amazing. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Judy. You're, it's been a pleasure you're working so with you and planning this conference, and as I said, you know, I'm so grateful to you and your support and your enthusiasm for having us here has been um, wonderful. You're so very well. And now it's time for our idea fair portion of today's show. We're excited to have Patrick Casey, CCM, the general manager of Hamilton Club of Lancaster. That's Lancaster, Pennsylvania. When I think of Black Friday, I don't really think of shopping, but I know that that's a big thing for people. Do you shop on Black Friday? No, I generally tend to avoid um, people in general. So Black Friday shopping to me is kind of like the worst thing in the world. Um, Also, I like sleeping in after having a food coma the day before. Absolutely. So I avoid shopping, but I hear some people like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about this idea is it's Black Friday beer tasting. Which so, sounds way better than shopping. It does. So let's uh, take it away with Patrick. Awesome. We're really excited.
excited to talk about your Black Friday beer tasting idea, given that it's almost Black Friday, and Righto. I mean, <laughs> what's better than beer, too? So can you uh, can you start by telling us a little bit about where this idea came from? Sure. The Black Friday beer tasting, the original idea was born at our beer committee. Uh, here at Hamilton Club, we have a very uh, active and dynamic beer and wine committees. Cool. And the beer committee was looking for something to do on Black Friday mm-hmm. that did not uh, involve shopping. <laughs> and uh, so, or if, if persons wanted to shop, well, you know, we're located in a way where they can come here for dinner. Cool. So that's uh, the idea came from the beer committee. So what can we do on Black Friday? And so uh, <clears throat> uh, I think the original vision was to use the event as a clearinghouse for some of the wine uh, beers that we've uh, would have accumulated over the course of uh, a couple of months. Okay. Uh, but it's evolved from there such that there's uh, there's several new surprises <laughs> uh, in store for this year. Cool. So out of the committee then, how did the whole event kind of come together and become a reality then? Well, it goes from idea in committee to then our management team to organize the um, the committees defer the the organization and management to our team. Mm-hmm. So our so our beverage manager and uh, food and beverage manager both together brought it to life. And I, I have to give particular uh, praise to our beverage manager for the ability to procure some of the some of the rarer, sure. uh, more more unique selections. So it does it does take uh, uh, the right person with the right connections to get some some of the unique and rare definitely. Uh, Rare, rare beers. Yeah, for sure. And so I assume then that those managers were the ones um, making the selections and and finding the right the right tastes to have for the event. Correct. That's, that's correct. We know we get feedback from our committee on the styles that they like, mm-hmm. and so we will then do a search for a, a, a range of different styles, and then typically they're surprised. Uh, we have we have one in particular this year. Uh, that we will have as our VIP tasting for all Mug Club members. The the Black Friday beer tasting is open to all members. Mm -hmm. Uh, The VIP tasting is available to Mug Club members only, and they will be very, very shocked at that one. So so we do do like to keep the uh, committee members uh, guessing. Awesome. That's very cool. And I assume then that the member feedback on this event has been pretty positive since you're doing it again. Oh, absolutely. This, I envision this as an annual tradition. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I can only imagine. Like, I feel like there's just so many... The world of beer is so diverse, so I imagine that this is one that you don't... Probably couldn't ever really exhaust. That's correct. And uh, our beer programming is uh, significantly different than it was even three years ago. Yeah. Just the way that that industry has has transformed. It really has. It's sort of evolved, I think, um, I would say probably in the last, like... 10 or 15 years, and even just in the last, like you said, three to maybe five years, it's blown up, and I think more people are more interested in beers, almost in the same way that people are interested in wines. So it's it's very cool that you guys are doing something like this. Thank you. Yeah. Um, were there any challenges in implementing this event? Oh, absolutely. So it's hard to know, it's hard to keep members happy and run an effective beverage cost on, mm-hmm. on this. So we can't just um, 
we can't just <laughs> order multiple cases of certain expensive t- types of beer. Sure. So if you just uh, if you just set up a beer garden and have have members grab whatever they wish, you can very quickly run out of inventory and and have people frustrated. So on the on the on the more expensive portions, or sorry, on the more expensive selections, we would portion that out mm-hmm. and sort of ration it in a way that uh, there there wouldn't be a, a run that exhausts the inventory before everyone has a chance to taste. Sure. So, and then I guess in this tasting, then how do the logistics sort of work for those members that decide to come and participate? Okay, for for the for the uh, VIP tasting or the taste the event itself. Either one. Okay, so the event starts with the VIP tasting. That would be invited. To, all mug club members would be invited to that, mm-hmm. and we would gather at, at uh, five o'clock. The event start time would be five thirty. Okay. We would gather at five o'clock for the VIP selection. Uh, this year, I will introduce that and and give a toast to the beverage manager who was able to procure it, and then uh, we would enjoy enjoy that. And then the event proper starts at five thirty. That's when all other members would arrive, mm-hmm. and it's set up in stations. There okay. are, there are different food and beverage stations because uh, not all not all. <laughs> it's a private club. Not all people coming are going to want beer. Right. <laughs> certainly going to want spirits and wine. So right. we, uh, we definitely have different uh, beverage stations. And members then would, uh, for the next hour, uh, socialize, interact with one another, and then go to each station and, and sample them. And it's set up in a way that it can be a meal for those who, who wish it to be. Okay. Or it can it can be a, sort of a, a first course, if you will, and then they can adjourn to our club restaurants for dinner. Cool. And I assume then that those different stations where the, the food is also then paired with the beers that are there. That's what we would do. Our, our uh, Bethany, our food and beverage manager, would... Uh, work with chef on on the on creating on those the pairings. Tasting. Yep, the pairings. Cool, cool. Um, and then, were there any sort of unexpected outcomes or unintended consequences of doing this last year? And obviously, a positive one is that it's the feedback was great, and you're going to do it again and again. But anything sure. else? Well, you know, with events like this, there's a there's a feeling of how, how do we make it different and better than your prior. Mm-hmm. And so there's always pressure to do something more elevated than the year prior at the same price point. <laughs> so, so you know, we have to keep that careful balance between how do we do it better and different every year without uh, making, the, making the cost of entry uh, a, source of, a source of member frustration. Yeah. So it's definitely one thing we, we are constantly battling here. And then also, but I will say again, as a positive, the the the, the tasting, the, the VIP tasting in particular is a great um, member retention strategy for us. Just these, these little ways that we can give back to our members in, in ways that are meaningful to them mm-hmm. at low cost to us. Uh, I, I, I try to latch on to these types of strategies for long-term growth. Absolutely. I mean, that's great. That's a really good takeaway from something that's just a fun event to being something that can be implemented over the long term that will help your member retention. I think that's a really smart way to look at it for sure. Um, okay. Well, that's that kind of wraps it up. That's all my questions. But this sounds like a fascinating event, and I hope it goes just as well for you all this year. Thank you. Well, if you're in uh, Lancaster County on Black Friday, please, you have my invitation. to. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you again, Mr. Casey. I really appreciate it. My pleasure.
Well, that wraps us up for this month. So, so happy much. Thanksgiving, happy Kyle. Happy Thanksgiving, Melissa. So, and happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Yes. And we wish you the very best as we move into the holiday season. Um, the end of the year is fast upon us, but there are a lot of things to be grateful for. Absolutely. And we should all keep those in mind. But for now, I'm Kyle. That's Melissa. And this is Let's Talk Club Management. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.